Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. I would be encouraging people to go, okay, what's the new world going to look like? What's the new normal that's going to happen? Because the world is not going to go back to how it was. The world will be different. Your customers will be different. And so I ended up buying sliced chicken instead of sliced turkey for whatever reason. And I liked it better. I literally never would have tried. You know, the difference between turkey and chicken is not something I normally think about. I would be encouraging people to go, okay, what's the new world going to look like? What's the new normal that's going to happen? So, Ryan, you know that I travel a lot. Mm -hmm. In fact, I feel I should say I traveled a lot at the moment. That's right, yes. <laughs> now you've been traveling a lot from your living room to your kitchen and back. I have, but yes. Previous to yeah. that, also. And there's been no lines. It's yeah. been really good. <laughs> <laughs> Virtually no traffic in the hallway. It's been and no TSA either. <laughs> <laughs> My wife just says, what have you got in that bag? But there you go. <laughs> Your wife's been keeping us safe for 40 years now, Colin. We appreciate her. So the story I want to kick this session off with today is that back in the day when I was traveling, I used to turn up at the airport, and this is back in the day, it feels like a long time ago now, get in a line to check in, and you'd line up and you'd... It felt like a, it's so old now, I have to t tell people what it was like because nobody experiences these things. But check out to get in line. When you were flying in those days, did you wear one of those leather helmets with the goggles <laughs> and a, a big white scarf? Is that what it was like? When, when you were yeah, checking it was. In those yeah. Days? Yeah. And, and you used to have to say tally ho when really? you got in. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm going to start this story. You know that. I am going to start this story and tell I know you're going to try. I got other plans. <laughs> so turn up at the airport, would check in. When they were introducing the new terminals to self-check-in. Little kiosks. Yeah, the old kiosks. I used to look at them and think, and you know I like technology. I used to look at them and think, oh, I'm not going to do that because I'm, I'm not really sure they're going to work properly and et cetera. So I used to still get in the queue. And what they had was they had people comb in the queue, comb in the line. Right, which is basically means they're walking up and down the line, walked up to me and said, Oh, hi, you know, why don't you rather than wait 10 minutes in the line, why don't you come over here and check in? And I went, Okay, went over there and checked in, and, and obviously it was no problem. And obviously, since that day onwards, I'd never gone up to a check in before. And now, like everybody else, we use our phones to do all that type of thing. But I guess the subject that we're going to talk a bit about today is about changing people's habits, okay? And we're trying to look forward a bit, okay? Because the world is is somewhat depressing at the moment, but better times are ahead. 
And I guess what we want you to do is to prepare people to start thinking about those better times. Because every cloud has a silver lining. And one of the silver linings about the pandemic that we're in at the moment is that customers will be different coming out of it. And this is an opportunity to effectively change customers' habits because most countries are clearly in lockdown and therefore people are having to do things differently. And therefore, this is an opportunity to reinforce some behaviors that you would like to change when people come out of the pandemic. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I I like the way that you phrased it when you pitched this idea to me. Colin and I are very clear on the the fact that we're all going through now is bad news. This is hard and this is awful. But I, I love that Colin was motivated by this idea of what possible silver linings could there be? What possible opportunities could there be as we all work through this together, furthering our understanding of our customers and of people and of serving them better? So I love that. Let's talk about one possible positive implication or one possible opportunity as things shake out in this new world that we're living in. Yeah, absolutely. So habits, you're the expert. So tell us a bit about habits. How are they formed? I know that in our book, The Intuitive Customer, and if you're bored, then buy the book and have a read of it. This was one of the seven imperatives that we laid down, understanding customer habits. But maybe you start by explaining a bit about the technical side of it, and then we can talk about how people use that to come out of this in a better way. I sometimes get asked to go in and talk to businesses, business leaders on various behavioral economics and psychology topics. The most common thing I'm asked to talk about is system one and system two, the, the, this two system model. The second most common thing that people want to hear about is habits. There's just a tremendous interest in habits. The reason is if you get people to be buying you your offering habitually, there's a great deal of lock in there. It's a great opportunity. Unfortunately, most firms are in the position where they're trying to change customer habits. So somebody's been buying somebody else for a long time, and now we want them to buy us. And that is really, really hard. And the reason it's hard is because of the way habits work. So for something to be a habit, we usually have to have a couple of different components to it. The first is there's some kind of environmental trigger or cue. So there's something that happens outside of us that starts a process. The second is the response that we have. And then as this thing is reinforced, it's paired with a reward. So if you've got this stimulus response reward, that's what causes a habit to form. So the reason this is so hard for for you as a, a business person, somebody managing customer experience or looking for opportunities for growth, is that once that environmental cue is activated, it becomes, I don't want to say impossible, it becomes really, really difficult to reach that potential customer at all. Once they've activated this automatic process, your job becomes so much harder. The reason that we want to talk about this as as kind of an opportunity is because all of the environmental signals that normally happen are now gone. So people are buying in different ways. They're buying in different channels. They've got a whole new set of needs that have become more important to them temporarily. 
all of the cues that normally activate habits for customers are mostly out the window at this point. And so now is the opportunity that people have to encourage new habits in their potential customers. Let me give some examples of this to try to make it live a bit for people. So whenever I'm explaining this to people, I talk about the fact that if I walk past a Starbucks and I smell the coffee, that triggers me to go, oh, I fancy a coffee, and then go in and buy it. If I go to pay for something, typically I would be using my American Express card. Again, force of habit. Mm -hmm. There are instances where you just end up doing something. I mean, I can't think of an example of this at the moment, but you end up doing something just because it's it's a force of habit and you think to yourself, why have I just done that? It's a Saturday. I don't do that on Saturdays. And it's just been a force of habit. So the interesting bit is, as Ryan says, a lot of those stimuluses are no longer there. And therefore, therein lies an opportunity because you could substitute a different habit. So maybe, Ryan, the one I always remember you talking about was the toothpaste style. Do you want to tell the toothpaste story? Yeah. So these cues or triggers, they can be real abstract. They can be real subtle. So something like being in the grocery store that you usually shop in and seeing toothpaste on your shopping list, when you turn your cart into the toothpaste aisle, that can serve as an environmental cue. That can be your trigger, your stimulus. Let's back up a little bit and talk about why habits are formed and and, and how they work. I mentioned very briefly this two-system model, the idea that we have an intuitive system that helps us out, that works with us with our, our rational cognitive system. Habits are when our intuitive system is trying to be helpful by making our lives easier. So our intuitive system is always monitoring our environment, right? Everything that we see or smell or hear, that's all filtered through the intuitive system. And when the intuitive system recognizes something, it says, oh, I can be helpful here. Let me pull up these thoughts and feelings and actions that you usually engage in when you are facing this stimulus and we'll kind of push them closer to the surface. So they're more likely to influence you. When your intuitive system sees you turn down that toothpaste aisle, it says, oh, I know what's supposed to happen here. It's on the bottom shelf and it's a blue container and it's about four feet in. And so all of those actions press closer to the surface and without you consciously thinking about it, you've already started your way towards making that happen. And the interesting bit here for me is the reason for that the reason the intuitive system is doing that, the reason that you have habits is effectively to save energy. Yeah, to make your life easier. Organizations, rightly so, talk about the effort that customers have to make to do something. So effort lies in thought processing, effectively. Yeah, or part of the effort lies in thought processing. So the more you can make that automatic the better for the customer because they don't have to, in quotes, think about it and therefore use resources to to think about it. Therefore, the habit is there to reduce the effort it takes. I don't have to think about it. I'm just going to go for the blue toothpaste on the bottom shelf, which is why when grocery stores change the store's layout, 
it drives their regular customers mad because you've suddenly got to go, well, hold on, I don't know where that toothpaste is now. Sometimes there are issues of when firms change their package design, now all of a sudden people can't intuitively find what they're looking for on the shelf easily. And another thing that, that people misunderstand about habits is that they're not they're not usually this overwhelming drive to do things in a specific way. So sometimes when we talk about habits, we talk about biological habits, like like a smoking habit or a drugs habit. And these chemical dependencies can create these overwhelming urges. Most habits are not like that. So it's not like when I walk down the toothpaste aisle, I become a zombie and just mindlessly shuffle up and grab. Instead, habits just make a certain course of action easier, right? So if you wanted to buy a different toothpaste, if you decided and when you made your list, say, buy Crest today instead of Colgate, it's not like you would get to the, the toothpaste aisle and say, no, must buy Colgate toothpaste zombie. Instead, your intuitive system just guides you in that direction. You can very easily override it for most habits. You can say, no, 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 I'm going to do something different today. It's just that your habits set you up to behave in a certain way. Let Beyond Philosophy help you discover what your customers really want, not what they say they want, by uncovering the hidden drivers of value in your customer experience to create real ROI. Contact Beyond Philosophy by going to beyondphilosophy.com contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash contact. And therefore, let's talk about the opportunity, okay? So that's a bit about how habits are there, why they're there, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Ryan has already outlined the fact that those stimuluses are no longer there or yeah. they're turning down the toothpaste aisle and there's no toothpaste. <laughs> <laughs> For example. Yeah. Or there's only one kind of toothpaste and suddenly you're going, well, I better have that bar of toothpaste. Or now you're shopping online for toothpaste when you've never shopped online for toothpaste before. Good point. Well made. Absolutely. All of these change those environmental cues. Let's give you two examples of where organizations are sort of using this already. And one of those is if you think about when you go on a vacation, when you're going on a vacation, you are clearly not implementing your normal habits. And certainly, if you think about buying a, a newspaper, you may not be able to buy the newspaper that you normally buy. Therein lies an opportunity for the rival newspapers to start suggesting that you buy theirs. Yeah. Do you want to explain the um, the one about the hospitals and babies and stuff? Or do you want me yeah, because they have so many kids. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're, you're more used to it. You've probably got a supply left over, whereas I haven't. Or I have, it's just that mine's a lot older. More than I want. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, before we move on from the holiday example, uh, I mean, this is such a trivial example, but I can give you an, a story of, of how this has worked on me. I do have a lot of children. We go through a lot of sandwich meat. We make a lot of sandwiches. And I would always buy sliced turkey sandwich meat. And I would always buy the same kind and, and always from the same place in the grocery store. And we went on vacation. We went to the beach a couple of years ago and had to shop in a completely different grocery store environment. And a lot of the things that I would normally buy, I couldn't get, they weren't there. And so I ended up buying sliced chicken deli meat instead of sliced turkey for whatever reason. And I liked it better. 
I literally probably never would have tried. You know, the difference between turkey and chicken is not something I normally think about. But it was being in that different context where I had to make different choices and I wasn't influenced by what I had always done that I created a new habit because of that, that change in the environment, that change in the state. Good example. The example with having babies, anybody who's had a new baby in the last 20 years, you know that when you leave the hospital, you leave with a care package where they give you some diapers to take home and a few onesies and a, a, a blanket and some formula. And a lot of that is donated from companies that make and sell stuff for babies. Part of it is they're being nice companies. But part of it, though, is they know that if whatever you try first as the type of bottle you use or the type of formula you use or the brand of diapers or wipes, there's a decent chance that that will become a habit for you because there's no real reason for you to do otherwise. You've already sampled this and and it's worked just fine. So why would you try something else? And that can be very, very lucrative. The amount of money that people spend on baby formula is staggering. And so if they can get in and get you to form that habit before you've encountered any other cues that would cause you to do something else, then that's incredibly valuable for them. And I had been wondering how I was going to get Apple into this conversation. Oh, no. (laughs) Did Apple somehow become a baby for you? Is that the time? You treat your iPhone as a child? Yes, I caress my phone every night. Yeah, well, that we, we all do. Yeah. <laughs> but it made me think, actually, of first mover advantage. No matter what technology you're in, if you get first mover advantage, you get people to start to sign up to the way that you do things, then people get vested in in understanding. And the reason I chose iPhones was because I was thinking about sort of the, one of the biggest things that's changed. And obviously, iPhone first on the market a lot of people invested in the way that the interface works and the habits they form behind that and therefore to change suddenly going oh blimey you know i've got to change to android am i i don't even know how that works and stuff like that breaking habits can be a real barrier to change i i switched from using pcs to using macs many years ago and one of the hardest transitions was i was using microsoft word you know i mostly write papers is most of my job And so I use word processing programs a lot. I was using the same word processing program, but all of the shortcut keys are different on a PC than they are on a Mac. So copy and paste and end of line and scroll up and scroll down. All of those are slightly different combinations of keys. And it took me months. It was so frustrating trying to work under this new system. And now, of course, I've formed all of my habits going the other direction. And anytime I have to go back and use a PC... It's now incredibly frustrating the other direction because I've formed all these new habits. And and they do. They create real barriers. So the interesting thing now you're talking about that is that when I moved from a PC to Apple, Apple have got some really good videos on their website that tells you how to convert. So in other words, you used to do this on your Windows machine. This is how you do it on a Mac. You used to do this on using Word. This is how you do it. I have to say, I I use those a lot. And then as people have moved to Apple, I've advised that they use them. They're very good. And that's helpful, but it's not habitual. This is the best that Apple can do or or anybody for the PC. But like I've, I've remembered, I remember seeing an early ad for a Surface, Microsoft Surface, which is a, a tablet computer. 
And it had some features that iPads don't have. And I thought that it was interesting. I know some of my colleagues had used it, but the barrier for me was, ugh, I would have to relearn all those habitual shortcuts. And I knew that watching a video wouldn't be enough, that I would have to like integrate them over weeks of trying and relearning. And in that one narrow case, that was enough to get me to not want to to buy it. I don't want to use more than one operating system because it would just mess with my habits. So again, let's just take a step back. We're living in unusual times. The stimuluses that customers were having have changed. Therefore, there is an opportunity to now insert the new way of working that you would like to happen after the pandemic is over with customers. And therefore, this is the bit where, yes, it's terrible and everything else that's happening, wish it hadn't happened. However, there is a silver lining in every cloud. And therefore, I would be encouraging people to go, okay, what's the new world going to look like? What's the new normal that's going to happen? Because the world is not going to go back to how it was. The world will be different. Your customers will be different. Their habits will be different. And it gives you an opportunity to go, right, when we start coming back, and clearly we will come back at some point, when we start coming back, what do we need to implement with our customers and how are we going to implement that new way of working? And even is there a way of us doing that now during these unusual times with sort of that future in mind. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's a good advice around habits. So understanding what is going to be different, what are the new cues going to be? Do you have opportunities of reaching your customers now when things are are disrupted so that they have the opportunities to try new things and maybe form new habits? But then more broadly than that, just the general advice I would give people is, is this approach that Colin took in proposing this as a topic bad as things are and as they get, let's look for bright sides. Let's look for opportunities. Let's look for improving the lives of our employees and our customers and trying to adapt and adjust. Let's go into doing our usual bit of recommended actions. And just as a reminder to people, we do a podcast summary after each show now. It's a written document. The purpose of that is for you to be able to share it, to capture all the notes, rather than you have to sit there and and write things down. And the podcast summary will be available now after you've listened to this show. And all you need to do is to go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. And it contains two things, the key takeaways and the recommended action. So without further ado, let's get into some of the recommended actions. Let me start, Ryan. Key things for me would be Think about what habits your customers have got. Think about what the stimuluses are that have evoked your customers to do things, stimulated your customers to do things. Think about what 
after this pandemic is over, how would you like your customers to be behaving in an ideal world? Yeah. So do you want customers to go more online? How do you want them to behave? What things do you want them to do? And plan out how you can then implement that. And moreover, the last thing I would say is there's if there's something you can do now to input a new habit now, that you want that habit then to continue when the pandemic's over, then even more so the better, okay? Don't just sit there and think the world's going to get back to normal because there is no normal. There will be a new normal that people are going to need to start to think about. When to think about it is now, is not when everything starts turning up because your competition may start to think about it at that point and you need to be ahead of them. I'm never letting you go first again. You, you literally <laughs> took all of the, that was a really thorough summary. I don't know that there's anything else I can add. I'll just repeat, think about those environmental cues. What are they? They can be really subtle. The end of a meal can be the cue for some people to want to get dessert or coffee or a cigarette. So the, the cues don't have to be specific places or locations. And they can be subconscious, can't they? They, they can be, yeah. You don't, you don't have to go, oh, look at that, this has happened. It can be just something very subtle that happens that causes it. Exactly, yeah. Remember that these are processed by your intuitive system, which is not something that you concentrate on. So think about those cues. How have those cues changed? What are the new cues right now during lockdown during social distancing? Are they different for you, for your company? What are they likely to be going forward? What are those opportunities? And then can you tie the behaviors that you want, usually buying from you, can you tie those to specific cues that are going to be relevant to people going forward as they change? Great. Good. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening today. We hope that's been of use. Please be safe out there. Make sure you look after everybody, your customers, your family, and everybody else. Remember that you can download the podcast summary at beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash podcast summary. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.